The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. thirty-sixth episode of Social Suplexes podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. I am Floyd Johnson. I will be your quarterback today because Austin is out busy at work. He's a busy man with busy things to do. But with me today, filling in for Austin, or actually playing the role of me today, will be our frequent collaborator and guest host, Mr. J.R. Perez, how are you doing today, Jr.? You know, sometimes you got to come in with a hot tag, and I got the hot tag, you know, and come in, and I'm going to do Rock and Roll Express, you know, powder, and go out the door. So, we're not the only part, uh, we're not the only group uh, facing replacements uh, this week. AEW has had somewhat of a COVID outbreak. That's going to be our big news of the week. But before we get into that, we want to make sure you're downloading the show on Google or Apple Podcasts. Please leave a rate and review if you're so inclined. You can leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. Please support us by following at AT Elite Pod, at Social Suplex. At Austin Sumowitz, that's S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z, and at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. JR, give them the Twitter that you would like them to follow. Well, you can find me on Twitter, and my Twitter handle is at Lucha Professor. That is at Lucha Professor. Long um, story short, I love wrestling. I am a college professor, so that's how I get Lucha Professor. And I talk about a lot of stuff, try to be try to keep positive, try you know, do what I need to do to change the world for the better. So if you want to come hear my hear my nonsense, come follow me at Lucha Professor. All right. But before we start the show, I'm just going to talk about we're going to talk about our weekends. How was your weekend, JR? Oh, man, it was terrible. I got food poisoning and uh, wasn't happy about it. I was in bed all day Saturday, all day Sunday, Monday. Nothing happened. Today was the first day I, decided I was finally able to get out of bed. So, yeah. Food poisoning is one of the worst things you can get because of how it just takes you out. All right. And that sucks. Uh, I mean, I was dealing with JR. I was talking to JR, and he just wasn't feeling good all week. Uh, we didn't really talk as much because me, my weekend was mostly great. I was in New Orleans for the New Orleans Fan Expo. Uh, if you, if some of you may know, at Floyd Johnson Jr., if you follow me, 
I'm not only a wrestling fan, but I am a fan of all things pop culture, including comic books, TV shows, movies. Well, I like to go to Comic-Cons. So my friend asked me did I want to go to New Orleans to meet Mr. Anthony Mackie, uh, who you may know as Falcon uh, from Captain America uh, 2 Winter Soldier or, uh, from, or the new Captain America from what is now called Captain America and the Winter Soldier TV show. So, Mr. Anthony Mackie, some of you may know him as Papa Doc from 8 Mile with Eminem. Or, uh, yeah, but mostly he is world famous for being Captain America. So, I went down to New Orleans this weekend. Of course, if anyone's went to New Orleans, one of the best cities to go to if you want to eat. Uh, eat, uh, just go around the cities and streets and all that stuff. It's always busy, always fun. I went there. We met some people. I got there Friday night. So Saturday is the, our first day. I met, uh, Javika Leslie, uh, uh, excuse me. I said it. I realized I was saying her name wrong for the long time. It's Javicia Leslie. She is Batwoman. And then I knocked something off the old bucket list. I met WWE Hall of Famer and sci-fi icon, Mr. William Shatner. Uh, that was basically, I got pictures with both of them. That was fun on the William Shatner picture. There was a divider because of COVID. So if you see the picture on my Twitter, it looks like we're in two different rooms. Boom. Uh, Javisha was amazing. She did not have a divider. And I also met Jesse T. Usher. Now, Jesse T. Usher, I imagine most of you know him as A-Train from, uh, the hit show, The Boys. I met him. He is super nice. I found out he's just in so much other stuff. Like, uh, there's a show called Survivor's Remorse. He's in that show. And, uh, and of course, me, the boy I best know him, is he was John Shaft the Third, which is uh, John Shaft the Third on the new movie Shaft. So uh, you can definitely check that out. It was it came out during the pandemic, so it's not really new. But, yeah, I met them that day. Just had a really good day going through the conventions, going through uh, going to some of the, um, what is it, the panels and things like that. It was really fun. Uh, we went and ate some food. Uh, I believe we went to Channing Tatum's restaurant. It's called Saints and Sinners. It's on. And then we went to Pat O'Brien's. Had some hurricanes. I got drunk for the first time, I'd say, in a year. Dot. Nope. I'd say two years. I haven't got drunk in a very long time. That we had a good time just walking through New Orleans, a little inebriated. But Sunday, that's the main event. This is what I want to get out to. Uh, I want y'all to let you. Uh, the reason I got on here, I met Michael Rooker. Uh, he was Yondu on uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Merle on um, Merle on The Walking Dead. I want you to appreciate wrestlers because. Something that happened Sunday with uh, my, my meet and greet with Anthony Mackey has never and I doubt will ever happen with a wrestler. I paid my money for the meet and greet with Anthony Mackey. Uh, first of all, uh, took the picture. He had a divider. As JR will attest, we look like we're in two different rooms. It actually looks like two different pictures put together to make it look like one picture. But I swear, I was right next to him. Uh, I went in and said hi to him. He just kind of smiled. He didn't really say hi back or anything. He didn't talk. And then he smiled and took the picture, right? I'm a big I'm a big smiler, so I'm very happy when I take pictures. 
I understand that's how most pictures are when you just go take pictures. So I'm cool. I'm like, yeah, but I'm going to get them when I go to the autograph session. I had been thinking about all week what I was going to talk about. There was this movie called Ten Year. It was like a little smaller movie he did even before Captain America and the Winter Soldier. I really loved it. had Channing Tatum, Rosario Dawson. I mean, it's kind of like a who's who of uh what would be the Hollywood elite over the next ten years. Uh even uh the Star Lord was in it. Uh Chris Pratt was in it. So uh a bunch of good actors in it. So I'm getting so I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna ask him about ten year. I know no one ever said no one ever asked him about ten year. I know everybody's gonna be talking about Captain America. I'm gonna bring up this really obscure movie. So we get in line an hour before it's time to get in line because you know what? I'm not missing my time, right? So we get in line and all of a sudden there's a VIP line in front of us. And when I tell you this line is moving fast, I've been to these things. You get 15 to 45 seconds, depending on how long it takes to sign your item and personalize your item to get through. So I'm seeing the people go in, out, in, out. I'm like... I mean, they're coming through, and I'm like, oh, shit. And, and you know that moment when you see something happening and your stomach starts tightening up? So they get through the VIP line in 15 minutes, probably 100 VIPs, right? Some of them had like five or ten things for them to sign. So I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? We get around the corner. They have this, like, V section set out. So where you're like five feet away from them and then they have people lined up in front of you. So this dude is literally you hand your thing to someone with your ticket and he's literally signing it and passing it. It's an assembly line like. I will tell you, the guy before me got a shield who had got signed by a lot of people and literally uh, Anthony Mackie didn't even look up while signing the uh, shield. Just didn't look up. So my pop gets up there and, I, and he just signs it without looking at it. So the guy before asked me, did I want to personalize? And I said, I want on your left. Right. That's the famous line for him. I'm very excited about that. And I know a lot of people are going to get it, but that's what I want on mine. He just signs it. I was like, it's supposed to be personalized. It's supposed to stay on your left. Oh, he's not doing personalizations. So why did the dude ask me what did I want on it? So, yes, they signed it. I tell you, when I get from the time I put my pop up there to the time I left the section, he did not even look up, did not acknowledge my presence. It, I might as well just uh, drop the thing off. Uh, uh, might as well just dropped it off and came and picked it up later, because my goal was to meet Anthony Mackie, and I can honestly say, after spending that much money and going ten hours. I did not meet Anthony Mackie. So when you go to these meet and greets and these wrestlers are nice and they're signing and they acknowledge you and they ask you everything. And I was like, please do not take that for granted because there is another world where I guess it's the A-list celebrity world where you can do a meet and greet with them and not actually meet them. So a lot of people were telling me why I was upset. A lot of people were telling me it was because of COVID. Okay. Okay. Oh, it's because of COVID. So I go, I am forced to stay for the, I am forced to stay for uh, the um, 
panel that he does. My friend really wants to see this panel. I'm pissed. I don't give a crap about uh, Anthony Mackie at this point. So we get there. They tell us no hugs, don't ask for shout outs, blah, blah, blah. First person up there is a girl in Captain America, uh, uh, in his Captain America suit with these automatic wings. What is he, the first thing he does, JR? He calls her up there and we does what? Gives her a hug. So obviously COVID was not much of a concern. They just didn't want to do it that way. I I wrote a nice, long, angry letter. And if I sound whiny to you, to all of you, okay, I can accept it. I was a little whiny. But understand, I drove 10 hours from Oklahoma City to New Orleans. I paid over $200 to meet Anthony Mackie. And that dude didn't even acknowledge my existence. If you think that's okay, hey, I'm a whiner. I don't think that's okay. JR, do you think that's okay? Um, yeah, that was a lot. And uh, I wouldn't be happy because I could tell you the biggest wrestling star in my in the history of professional wrestling, in my estimation, and I think the estimation of a lot of people, is Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I paid $200 for a photo with him. And I can honestly say I met Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, I think we met him at the same time in New Orleans, correct? <laughs> yes. Yes. So. Yes. So the fact is that you pay $200 and you can honestly say that you still have not met Anthony Mackey. I would be pretty pissed because if that happened to me was with Stone Cold, Steve Austin, I would not be happy and be demanding my money back. Yeah. So I am sending. I've done a lot of fan cons. I've done a lot of pictures. Uh, I post them all the time. So I just let them know. I, I sent a nice email. Not to be mean or anything, I sent an email to say uh, that I wasn't satisfied with the experience. I, I told, made sure I said I didn't want anything free. I don't want my money back. I'm just going to say if this is the experience going forward, if it's for COVID, I would like them to either let us know that that's how it's going to be so I can, you know, not go, right? Or, or... Give me my 10, 15 seconds. I'm not asking for an hour conversation. I did not think me and Anthony Matthew was going to be best friends. But give me my 15 seconds just to say hi to him. I think I don't think that is an unrealistic ask. Do you, do you, JR? And feel free to disagree with me. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, so uh, I just wanted to go through that. I know people tune in this show. They didn't want to hear that. I guess you can speed how many, uh, thir- 14 minutes into the show. I should, I might should have put that warning. I might throw that uh, warning on at the beginning of the show that you can skip to 14 minutes before we actually start about talking about wrestling. But the big story of the week is COVID. COVID is the big story of the week. And it seems like this time... A couple, you know, years ago, you started hearing the whispers of COVID before it really affected the wrestling uh, community. Well, it's affecting again. Uh, Last week's Dynamite, Brandon Cutler, Nick, and Matt Jackson were gone because of COVID. Then we found out, uh, we started hearing whispers on Wednesday that Cody wasn't at Dynamite. And then we found out that his family had an outbreak and he was, uh, he was, um, what, what is it called? Uh, sheltering or whatever at home. 
uh, quarantining at home, quarantining at home with the rest of his family. He uh, he then encouraged people to make sure you get your shots and get vaccinated uh, again, throwing back that he was an anti-vaxxer ever the thought that he was anti-vaxxer he's like babies and children can be affected by this and of course they cannot be protected from it you know they don't have the ability to protect themselves from it so he's saying go get vaccinated um so yeah because of that there had to be some pivoting so pivoting um the dynamite title was then made a uh, uh, was basically made an interim title, uh, and uh, Cody was replaced by Dustin Rhodes. We got that announcement on Dynamite that it was going to be Sammy Guevara versus Dusty Rhodes, uh, Dusty, uh, Dustin Rhodes, excuse me. Uh, and um, well, we'll talk about that momentarily. But COVID, how do you feel about the Omicron coming to get us, sir? I mm, try to choose my roles carefully. It, it it's a highly contagious because it as you see we went through. I mean, God, since even this actually we're basically two two full years into it because COVID nineteen started at the end of twenty nineteen, beginning of twenty twenty. In uh, in Asia, started in China, then it started going through Japan and worked its way westward. And so from what it looks like to me, Delta was bad in July of 2020, uh, 2021. And this has, this looks to be a far more contagious version because you're seeing massive outbreaks in, and I don't know if it's because maybe people were more careful in the previous two years, or if Omicron is just more contagious than Delta or previous variants. But I mean, at the end of the day, and you cannot deny this is what happens with variants. They mutate, and when they mutate, the the new potential new strains can either be more contagious, more lethal, more symptoms, different symptoms, and that's what happens. The comparison I can give you based on talking to some of you deal with infectious diseases is you have staph infection, and you have a mutated version of staph infection called MRSA that's antibiotic resistant. And once you get MRSA, you're kind of fucked. You're stuck with it forever. And I can tell you this, that my dad has MRSA, contracted MRSA, and they literally had to just cut off pieces of his foot because it went from staph to MRSA. And so and that's how it is with, with Omicron. And it's just one of the reasons why, and I'll say it to, you know, to the end of time right with COVID being an issue is you have to be diligent and be careful because if it continues to mutate, you know, the old saying, you know, play stupid games, get stupid prizes. This was going to happen. If it's, you know, may not, Omicron may not be as, you know, more lethal, but it's definitely more contagious. So you're going to mess around. We're going to end up with the Lambda Rho variant. And it's going to be like, Hey, guess what? None of these vaccines work. And, you have even a highly a, a highly likelihood of of death compared to the previous variant. So I'm, you know, I my heart goes out to everybody dealing with it um, because I can tell you locally, I've had you know we're dealing with cases locally where I'm at and where I work at, you know, dealing with it. I've never seen this many cases in a short amount of time at where I work at. Um, and we had nobody on campus uh, where I work at, nobody 
uh, where I work at right now. That's the crazy part is we're getting so many cases and we literally have the lowest population of people where I work at right now compared to the previous four months when school was in session. So it, that's the insane part. So, um, yeah, I said a lot in a short amount of time. I just, you know, hope everybody makes a full recovery with the Young Bucks and Co- and Cody and his family and whoever else had contracted it both in AEW or in, in everywhere. I don't care if they're, you know, professional wrestling actors, actresses, you know, uh, normal people. Just be careful. And it looks like going forward or at least temporarily uh, starting this week, uh, it looks like AEW... Is not doing meet and greets, pre-show meet and greets. I think that is a smart choice to make for right now until the numbers start going down again. So I think that's a genius. But let's do what we do. Let's review shows. We're going to do, we got three shows this week, and I just don't want to sit here for an hour and a half uh, reviewing shows. So just going to kind of quickly go through each show and give our thoughts on each match. Uh, Dynamite last week. Came from uh, Newark, New Jersey, the Prudential Center. Our friend Jackie, the draw from Elite POV, was in the building for this show. So uh, the main event was first. It was Paige versus Danielson 2. As as, um, you all know, their first match went to an hour, one hour uh, draw. I was actually at the first match at Winners Coming 2. That was pretty cool. So Jackie got to see the follow-up for it. So we got Hangman and the American Dragon. So they announced first, before we get into the actual match, they announced the three judges as the world's strongest man, Mark Henry, Jerry Lynn, and Paul White. I actually put a tweet about this. Before I tell you what my tweet is, what did you think about that announcement, JR? JR? I'm sorry. Um, I, I had lost connection. Um, I, I, yeah, broke up. Can you say, I heard you say the announcement part, but I missed the previous part. Okay. So it, uh, they talked about their three uh, judges, and it was Jerry Lynn, Mark Henry, and uh, I just had it. Jerry Lynn, Mark Henry, Henry and, and, Paul, and, Paul, and Paul, White. Paul White. Yes. No more BS, Paul White. What did you think about the announcement of the three judges? It, it was kind of lackluster. I mean, there was, in the sense of, you felt that there was a possibility that you could have a potential return. Um, I know, you know, he's dealing with personal stuff, but if if it was available, you would thought that maybe this could be a, a potential spot for, you know, Moxley to return. Um, some people were saying, oh, what if it was, you know, Callis and Kenny Omega? At the end of the day, you still have, le- you know, Jerry Lynn is a leg- ECW legend. I believe he was, if I'm not, was he an ECW world champion? I know he was television champion. Um, and you had, but for sure, you definitely had two former world champions in Mark Henry and Paul White. So it fits the bill. Um, like I said, it, if you were going to do a return, that would have been a good a good spot for it. But um Yes, so I just thought this list sucked. Okay, I love Mark Henry, love Jerry Lynn, uh, love the Paul White. I really do. I, you know, I've met them all. They were all awesome. I actually sat in a, 
I actually sat in a, a airport terminal and just literally talked to Jerry Lynn, just like about the show, about travel, about all that stuff, about him seeing him at the show. Amazing. Well, what I did was work myself into a shoot, if I'm using the wrestling term correct. I had it in my head. I was like Ric Flair, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat. I was like, I had all these people in my mind that had went in famous one-hour matches. Because you had Sting, you had Ric Flair, Ricky Dragon, Steamboat. You could have did those. All, all had done famous one-hour matches. Then you give Mark Henry, who I don't think ever did a one-hour match. And then you get... Uh, Paul White, I doubt ever did a one-hour match. Now, Jerry Lynn probably did a few one-hour matches. I am not the wrestling encyclopedia that some people are, so I can't just pull up those dates. But I'm just saying, I'm pretty sure the other two big dudes did not work a one-hour match. And you put them in there, and you say, decide this. I had the tweet, and if JR, if you remember my tweet, I was like, if this is not the most mid, this damn thing is not going to our uh, group of judges ever. <laughs> I was like, this is the guarantee not going to our. Um, I believe I was right, correct? It was. Um, I need to double check the time. I, I wonder if it hit 30 minutes. I think it was like right at 37, but it wasn't any danger of going an hour. Correct. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I was like, they, I said they went with the boring, it's obviously not going the distance judges. That's what they did. So, yeah, uh, the match, uh, thoughts on the match, they are always need to let you go first, get the good stuff out there. I I enjoy the hard-hittingness. Um, you know, there's always, I think since the last 12 years, there's been this discussion, and I, it started when WWE had created the role about, you know, no more bleeding on, you know, in the company. And so the question becomes, you know, does no does, more what in the company? No more bleeding, no more blood bleeding. In the oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. Um, so the question kind of became in the last decade, you know, more so, especially from 2010 until who probably when the definitely when Cody wrestled dust in that double in 2019 is that does, blood does it potentially enhance a match and um these two matches they had in my opinion were very different the hour-long broadway was extremely different than this encounter uh this one to me was more hard-hitting it was more violent in in what they were doing not not in the sense of hardcore but just in the way of how they were being the physicality of it was taking up a lot a significant level compared to the first one. And so I felt it was a different match they had compared to the first one because of that. I enjoyed it. I, in my opinion, I, I enjoyed the first one better than the second one, um, but because it was for different reasons and in the sense of like how the, how the match went. Not that this wasn't a good one. It was a great match. It's just a different type of story they told in the second encounter than the first one. We had the chance uh, crowd screening uh, fight forever. We had some amazing spots in this match. I thought this match was really good. It did not reach the height of the first match. Of course, it did not go an hour. Uh, uh, Hangman uh, pulled down his elbow pad after hitting Brian, uh, Daniel Bryan, uh, excuse me, Brian Danielson with uh, a backdrop driver. 
He then hit finally hit the butt shot lariat. He pinned Brian Danielson and retained the AEW World Champion. Uh, it just took one of those clotheslines, as it should. That's what Jim Ross said. Uh, and then, of course, Excalibur so eloquently screamed that uh, Hangman Page slayed the American Dragon. So, yeah, that was a very much a good uh, a good match. I think it reached all the levels. It drew a lot of fans. That's great. Next match we had up was MJF versus Sean Dean. For, uh, CM, uh, right as the match was about to start, CM Punk sprinted to the ring. MJF jumped out of the ring. He waited until the bell rang. Make, make sure you know this. He waited until the bell rang. Then he sprinted out to the ring, so the match has started. Uh, MJF jumps outside of the ring, and he's not coming back. Uh, ref is confused about going on, so he didn't... Uh, so he didn't start. Or she didn't. It was uh, Aubrey, right? I believe. Oh, now you're getting too far. Yes, it was, too far. It was, on that yeah, one. No, so it was Aubrey. Uh, didn't. But so CM Punk grabbed Sean Dean, kicked him in the stomach, and then gave him a GTS. Everybody's like, why did CM Punk turn on Sean Dean? And then you see, then everything starts clicking in everyone else else's head. Aubrey Edwards rings the bell. The winner by disqualification, Sean Dean. Sean Dean is one and zero in two thousand uh, MJF is zero and one after the match. Uh, CM Punk lets uh, uh, CM Punk lets MJF know every match until he fights him. Well, this is what he's going to do. He's going to run out and get him DQ'd. Uh, MJF does, you want to fight me? You want to fight? Everybody here wants to fight? Okay, you got a match next week against Wardlow. And then, of course, Punk says you're hiding behind Wardlow. He's going to go through everything until there was nobody uh, else for him uh, to hide behind. And then he was going to put him to sleep. Some barbs from their back and forth. Uh, it's CM Punk says, I mean, MJF says, do you think you're Roddy Piper PG Punk? The last time I checked, Roddy Piper was talented enough to main event a WrestleMania. And by the way, if I'm not starting to be, uh, to be shown the proper respect out here, maybe I'll main event or mania too. And then he basically said, uh, I think I, they actually left this out of the, uh, out of the review, but he said, if you want to go to a four day, uh, four day main event, the day four of uh, nobody in attendance, WrestleMania, go ahead. <sighs> Damn. Uh, it was kind of crazy. What did you think of this whole segment? First, the DQ, and then the back and forth between Punk and MJF. The, um, I think everybody knows that. MJF really loves and his record about how pretty spotless it is. Um, if I remember correctly, he's only lost two matches in his AEW career at the singles matches. And that was to two former AEW world champions. Um, so in two years, he was been essentially almost perfect and to go in there in one of the first events of the year and now he has a blemish on his record that you could officially say 
that he has a loss of singles competition was a perfect kind of F you from CM Punk to MJF. And um, with the back and forth is that the best part about this feud is with the exception of the six-man match they had with... um, don't remember exactly was it the week it was the week of christmas so of cm punk and f excuse me cm punk darby allen and sting versus ftr and mjf they very rarely have touched each other and i think that's the only time they've ever actually physically touched each other so they continue promos back and forth is just building to that crescendo of an actual one-on-one match and so you look forward to the next promo that both MJF and CM Punk have is because they've thrown a lot of barbs at each other since that first encounter where MJF said, hi, I'm Maxwell. So it's just can some, some of the promos have been, you know, some weeks it's really great. Some of it's like kind of gone down a little bit. So, but you look forward to where they're going to come up with next and, Eventually, like I said, they're heading towards the collision course, and I'm pretty sure everybody knows it's coming at Revolution. It is definitely coming at, uh, I'm pretty sure it's coming at Revolution, And but the fact how they're using this time to build up the match at Revolution, I think it's perfectly done. A lot of people thought that the feud started too early to you then, you know, then hold the match off the Revolution. But MJF does this thing where basically he makes people earn a match with him. So whether they're in the position of power or he's in the position of power, he makes them earn a match with him. So that's what he's doing with CM Punk. Now, I enjoyed the no DQ. Uh, we now have Sean Dean. John Moxley and uh, Chris Jericho are the only people to beat MJF in one-on-one matches. He is truly the captain of AEW. Sean Dean, congratulations, sir. On to the next segment. Uh, we got uh, the Demo God returned. Uh, Chris Jericho, uh, my friend JR's favorite wrestler, returned to TBS with a mic. He says basically his first time being on TBS since April 7, 1999, when he lost to Booker T on Thunder. He said he cheated. It's uh, ba- uh, he uh, basically has a, he's having an issue with 2.0. He does his Jericho thing. He called him Terrence and Phillip and made sure of them uh, made fun of them having a square head. Uh, Jericho uh, grabbed his baseball bat and said he knocked both their heads off. Daniel Garcia jumped in the ring with a blindside attack on Jericho. Then we had Kingston, Ortiz all ran down to the save. Again, Jericho and uh, Jericho and um, uh, Eddie Kingston showed that they did not like each other. Did you have any thoughts with this segment, sir? You know, I... 2.0... Is a very interesting tag team. I've known since before for AEW because coming into the company, they were they really didn't do a whole lot in their previous for the previous employer, and they're they're very entertaining. Like especially, I can't think of their names, but the the gentleman with the the ponytail is just really good at what he does. Daniel Garcia is a great wrestler there, and they've been used as a tag team. Uh, or they've been used in the situations to bridge gaps from one feud to another for certain wrestlers. Um, and you, I really enjoy their work because they're very comical. 
and they're just being used in the right spot in the sense of um, trying to bridge the feud with Jericho and I know essentially it's going to come to a head of, of Eddie Kingston. So I just, I always enjoy when they come out cause it's comical and you kind of wonder to yourself is, will they see, you know, we've, will they see more of them in the coming year? Because potentially they could, in my opinion, I could see them being AEW tag team champion. So I like what they're doing, but if you give them a run, I think you could get even more out of them. I think they're very talented, very funny people. Uh, when it comes to the sports entertainment side of wrestling that uh, it was made famous by another company, I think they're perfect at it. I have put that over so many times. People are probably tired of hearing it, that they are perfect at sports entertainment. They are perfect at being very entertaining. They have a charisma that you just can't teach. So uh, shout out to 2.0. This was just a fun segment to add to it. Uh, we had a word. Uh, oh, we had Adam backstage backstage with Red Dragon. Uh, he basically said Cole said he knows uh, Kyle didn't mean to kick him in the head. He then challenged Jake Atlas uh, that uh, it, just to let him know that you know he, I know he's the hot free agent, but you know Adam Cole is all anyone will be talking about. So we got Adam Cole versus. Uh, uh, Jake Atlas uh, for Friday on Rampage. Then next we had uh, Mr. Mayhem Wardlow versus Antonio Zambrano. Quick squash. Uh, Sean Spears before the match started just hit a C4 and just told Wardlow to pin him. Wardlow then hit Antonio with five power bombs and then got the pin. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this quick segment? I just wonder if Antonio got has a prayer for taking five power bombs from from Wardlow. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I don't really like. I said it was just like crazy for me, and the fact that uh, Sean Spears they they're building more dissension from Spears and Wardlow. So I'm liking that going forward. And Sean Spears is so good at what he's asked to do. Uh, we got the TBS Championship Tournament Finals: Jay Cargill versus Su- uh, Ruby Soho. Uh, you know, I'm not going to go through the match. I'm just going to let JR give his thoughts on it. Uh, It's been said that this, let me start over. The rumor has been said that this whole TBS championship and this tournament was built to put a shining spotlight on the Jade Cargill brand and what she can bring. Um, You and I have said it multiple times how Jay Cargo is one of the most impressive individuals gender be damned in the history of professional wrestling she you know in hearing stories she busts her ass not just in the gym but in the wrestling ring and is she is she young in her experience? Absolutely. I mean, we all know that it doesn't take a genius to figure out that she doesn't have that many matches under her belts. Um, and they've utilized her in a way to accentuate her positives and hide that lack of experience. I think there's a lot of things she does well. I think there's a lot, you know, some things that, um, she's definitely going to continue to approve on because only with time and, um, time and patience and practice will you get better in anything you do, whether it's wrestling, playing an instrument, 
um, or even going to school as a student. Um, and so I really believe that Jade is a hard worker. I think she is working as hard as she can to earn her spot. I, I don't know if I would have gone with Jade Cargill, though, this, you know, within essentially, I'm trying to do my math, some math in my head. Um, has it been a year? Is it been a year or shorter than a year? At, you know, you got to help me out, Floyd. It's been my... over a year. It's been over a year. So when was the Shaq? When was the Shaq and the Shaq and Jade versus Red Velvet? And was I'm, that in February of 2021? I believe. So basically, from her first match to this is close to a year. And obviously, I'm sure she's done training before that as well. Um, as far as being AEW, I and I know I wasn't on the show. I probably would have went with Thunder Rosa. Um, and then have Thunder be Jade, have her have the title for a little bit, and then eventually have her drop it to Jade um, in a few months once Jade yeah, continues to, to I was develop wrong. that. It was on March March 3rd, 2021. So, yeah, not even a year. So, um, like I said, I would have probably went with Thunder Rosa because uh, being the more experienced veteran, definitely a great ambassador for both TBS as well as AEW. And then eventually drop it to Jade as Jade continues to develop. And um, she, like I said, she's she's a great athlete. She's strong. She's physical. She's has She has agility. Um, it's just one of those things with... And I hate saying this because it feels I feel like I'm like demeaning her, and I don't because I love Jade. Um, it's just she has some limitations because she's still young in the business. So I would, when moving forward, whatever few she gets into, you really have to position her to, to, to have a more stronger matches. And I hate using the analogy, but I'm going to use it anyways. Is make her similar to like that Goldberg, where she just does certain things that she's very good at. Um, for example, and I'll, and I'll leave it at this. One of the things that was probably not a good idea was trying to do her finisher from the top rope. Probably let's not do that again. So I've said it before. I think they've been going over this match for a while. Uh, it, it did have some rough edges with uh, Ruby. Uh, she just doesn't, I mean, Ruby's good. I just don't think she has that ability to carry a match like Thunder does, like Thunder did with Jade before. I think Jade's talented. I think she has the energy, the charisma, everything to be great and lead this, uh, women's division for the next three or four, uh, three or four years along with, uh, Brit, um, but with this early, they have to protect her. The only thing I would ask, and in this match, I thought the match was fine until the end. That I, I, I've seen that lasting moment of that first TNT championship and belt being a botch, or, or being—I wouldn't even call it a move, just a move that didn't look good because she hit the move, but it just looked real clumpy. I would have liked Ruby or her to call the audible and say, pick me up and do it again. So you can have that clean finisher for the one, two, three, and, you know, have that as the ongoing look of the first, uh, first TBS champion. 
you know what? It's a tiny thing that, that it probably didn't bother anybody, you know, other than us hardcore wrestling fans. There is an iconic image out after the match with Jay Cardell holding up the TBS title with her daughter in hand. Uh, man, that's a shout out to definitely the AEW division. I loved it. I love that Jade won it. I, like I said, I didn't like how the uh, finish happened, but I do like the pick. Because you can keep her undefeated streak going. And whether whoever you go with as the face to eventually knock her off. It's going to be a feather in their hat. But you want to have a strong dominant TV champion, yes, TBS champion to put the belt on the map. Kind of like the TNT had a championship. Had a strong dominant champion. And that man Cody Rhodes that 10 weeks in a row helped put that belt on the map established it as not as uh, as a equal belt to the world title and that's what jade has to do with the tnt title this was the first match uh you know she she has her reign to go for and we'll look at it going forward and then we'll judge her reign after it is done but congratulations to jade cargill early in the day jim ross had a sit-down interview with serena deeb uh her intention uh, she had this great line is that the reason they call me the professor of professional wrestling is because I have a PhD in this shit. And she said it with such conviction. I demand a match with you, Sheeta. You will not be walking away on your own. So we have Serena Deeb versus Sheeta uh, on Dynamite uh, on uh, Wednesday, January 12th. Uh, you excited about that match, sir? Yes, I am, because I believe both women are incredible Incredible abilities in the ring, especially Serena Deeb. I mean, you talk about just—I mean, it's another talent that could have, you know, could be in those both. I would say both AEW, you know, World and TBS Championship, you know, pictures being their champion. And she just has the ability that she can make her opponent shine. She can look like a a fierce, fierce dominant opponent as well. So, um, they—I thought they had previously good encounters and i think this one is definitely gonna be taken to another level yeah i I, i've stated on the show i could watch them wrestle every week i mean i think at this point this will be the most prevalent match in AEW history at four do you do you remember any other match happening more i think this is their fourth time wrestling right have you ever heard of any other match like going four times i'm uh No, I'm trying. Like we, Darby and Cody went three times. No, I can't. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I think this is the most anyone has ever wrestled each other in AEW, especially in a women's division. I, I definitely believe this is the uh, the most uh, prevalent match. And and you know what's great is they've all been on Dynamite. You know what I mean? They've all been featured matches on the show and the belt. It's not for the title. When people ask about building the women's division, I've stated this before. You now have a women's world title, a women's TBS title, and now you have Serena and Deeb and Sheeta wrestling, and they're not even wrestling for the title. What that means is you possibly on any Dynamite can have three to four segments dedicated to women's wrestling. On Rampage, you can have a segment uh, dedicated towards women's wrestling. It's just, and this is how you build it. 
building uh building a division and building attention and building a fan base for that division takes time and i think AEW is doing a great job slowly building up the division so um, uh, i was very excited to uh, what's going on what's been going on with it uh let's see what's next um in malachi black versus brian pillman not much to talk about here uh malachi black kicked brian pillman in the face pinned him um black was uh beating up uh pin pillman uh, black was standing over pillman and the lucha bros came out and the lights went out and black was outside of the ring and he ran away from the lucha bros and and this led to you know lucha bros match did you have any thoughts on Malachi kicking Ryan Pillman? No. no. I mean, it just continues to build a Malachi Black as as a, a heel. Yeah. Uh, there were, the finish was pretty cool because Brian looked like he went up for a clothesline. He then stumbled, and then it went right into the kick. Now, it was so smooth, I couldn't tell if the stumble was on purpose or not. Like, that's how smooth that event happened. It was like, if it was a botch, it was the smoothest looking botch I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Tony Schiavone's backstage with Ruby after Ruby's loss. Uh, Britt Baker came to rub it in that Ruby keeps losing. Uh, Ruby told Britt to leave her alone and prepare for a match Saturday. Baker smacked Soho, but then Ruby crashed the scene, jumping on Baker. And it gave us Ruby Soho and Rio versus Britt Baker and Jamie Hamler for Rampage. And then we had the World Tag Team title match. I know JR's not too excited to talk about this because this was a double whammy of an evening for our old uh, Lucha Bros as they were wrestling Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus for the AEW Tag Team titles. Christian Cage was out with Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Uh, Jim Ross wondered, could this be the night? Uh, the champions have a 15 and one record and then the Lucha bros. Well, so, uh, before we talk about who won, there was a spot, uh, the Lucha bros bring it every night, uh, and they were bringing it like they normally do. And Mr. Uh, Luchasaurus did a choke slam to Ray Phoenix on the outside through a table. It looks like Ray accidentally, Tried to catch himself with his left arm. Maybe he was too close to the uh, fence. I don't necessarily know what happens. I'm not a wrestler. It's not for me to speculate. Well, his arm bent what it looked like in half. And then they replayed it. And yes, his arm looked like it bent in half. Uh, so he called the ref over immediately. They were looking at him. Uh, Pentagon then finished the match and Jungle Boy pinned Pentagon to get the one, two, three. We got your new tag team champions, Jurassic Express, and like the most anticlimactic uh, title win ever because literally everyone in the building was worried about Ray Phoenix because they did show the replay like three times without realizing what, or two or three times without realizing what happened. Uh, yeah, that was kind of sickening. So, first of all, JR, comment on your thoughts on Ray Phoenix's injury. I don't appreciate you lying. It was that dumb dinosaur, Dino Nuggets, that broke Phoenix's arm. He wasn't careful. He did it. I know he did it on purpose. He's unsafe. We need to get him out, exterminate all the dinosaurs. Okay. Just wanted to say that because that's what all the idiots on on social media said, that it's Luchasaurus' fault. And 
That is just completely ridiculous, number one. If you say that, I'm 99% certain you're not a professional wrestler, so keep your mouth shut. And I'm saying that as as a massive Lucha Bros fan. Number two, it's a very unfortunate spot. Um, one of the things I've said this time and time again, and we love AEW for it, and it's a love and a curse at the same time. They give us a lot. They do high-risk moves. It gets, in my opinion, worse with the Lucha Bros, specifically Phoenix, because of the Lucha Libre background. If you ever seen Lucha Libre, they do a bunch of crazy shit to to entertain the audience. And I say and this is not the first time that Ray Phoenix has been injured. This is probably, though, his most serious injury um, he's had. In my opinion... I think what happened was the table may have been too close, and when Luchasaurus leapt off the table, leapt off the apron to do the choke slam, he may there wasn't enough space between the table and apron, so he landed a little bit too close to the table, which then caused Phoenix to not hit the table specifically centered where his body and the table was essentially like where he was like perfectly on top of the table. Again, it's not Luchasaurus's fault. Is I just think it was a bad spot that went awry. Um, I actually looked at like probably ten different table choke slams in the last fifteen years after that happened, and from previous episodes of AEW, Raw, SmackDown, and it's just a very unfortunate thing. Um, and it sucks because he's hurt and he got hurt pretty bad and it's probably going to be a minute before he comes back. And it looked like they were building something. Uh, they looked like they were building something with Malachi Black maybe and they're going to have to pivot some way with that. So we will see what's happening going forward. But congratulations to one of the four pillars, Jurassic uh, uh, Jungle Boy and his tag team partner, Luchasaurus, with their manager, Christian, who is moving basically into a manager uh, player coach role with them. And, you know, they look at the titles. You're going to, you know, uh, Jungle Boy is going to get more mic time and he's going to have to show some charisma. It's like this is the shit or get off the pop point for a Jungle Boy. You're not the guy that almost wins. You're not the guy that's successful challenger. You are the champion of one of the best tag team divisions in the world. Show you it's time to show that you uh deserve that spot to shine to show that you uh are a pillar of this company. And I truly believe Darby, MJF, and Sammy have proven beyond uh a reasonable doubt that they are main eventers of the future, they are the pillars of the company. I think it's time for Jungle Boy to put up or shut up. You any thoughts on that, sir? Um, you cut me off, I wasn't done because I was gonna continue trusting Jurassic Express, but. Um, yeah, you, I, you you have the world's longest pauses. Your pauses sound like you're done. Complete thoughts. I'm just gonna throw that out there. Listen, I'm just long winded. Okay, um, all I'm gonna say is you know, con- but congratulations to Jurassic Express. They have a big following. People love them. Um, and I don't know. I I don't know what's the next goal. Uh, if they're gonna be long term transitional, but you know they have a big following. So congratulations. People love. You know, Jungle Boy. And I will say one of the things that it came out later 
um because i didn't notice it but is that after he won he looked up to the sky and man it just broke my heart because i know he was thinking about his dad and you know anytime stuff like that happens when when somebody gives a nod to you know a parent i think about my parents and it's just you know i know he wishes that his father was there to see him you know kind of hit the pinnacle of his career at that moment so well he's not in the pinnacle okay there's five members of the pinnacle. I said pinnacle of his career. No, the pinnacle is the pinnacle. Okay. Uh, let, so we stopped to cover two more shows. Bring take bring it back. The great thing is the next two shows are only uh one hour long and they only have three matches apiece. So uh next one is up on Rampage, January seventh. Adam Cole versus Jake Atlas. Adam Cole won. The story of this is this. Uh, Jake Atlas tore his ACL. Uh, he he literally uh, hurt himself, and on the last spot, uh, Adam Cole just pretty much gave him the weakest looking lead lock ever, just so he could tap out. Uh, but his knee, you know, you could just kind of tell his knee was gone. Uh, that did suck because it looked like they had some. Uh, they looked like they had some. Uh, Thoughts and plans for Jake Atlas in the future. He literally just signed with AEW. But you know what? Wrestling injuries happen. ACL is generally about a six-month injury. I think Jake Atlas will come back strong. What do you think, sir? He has a great look. I I really I felt bad. Um, again, I, I say that a lot. But, you know, you feel bad for people that get injured because this is their livelihood. But I saw that spot. And as soon as he landed on his knee, I could just be like, oh, man, it just. I actually yelled, you know, damn it. Um, they tweaked that he messed up his knee. Uh, I hope he comes back fast. One of the things I will say, you know, because AEW loves factions, is I, I I, don't know if I see him as a baby face because I've never really heard his promos. He has a very serious look, so I feel like he could be a heel. I really would like for him to be added to the acclaim. There's just something about him and teaming up with Caster and Bowens especially because, you know, Caster being so charismatic that I think would really do wonders for Jake Atlas and help build him up to a big star in AEW at an accelerated rate compared to him being a solo star. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, I, I see bright things in the future for Jake Atlas. Uh, I've mentioned this before. Years before they started, I, I heard... Uh... I heard um, Dave Meltzer say, like, Jake Atlas, the, the best way to say it, I'm paraphrasing, so if I'm misquoting him, I apologize. I wanted to say that because I know he gets misquoted a lot, and I don't want to be one of the people that if Jake Atlas hadn't signed with WWE, he would probably be one of the uh, four pillars because people were higher on Jake Atlas than they were on Jungle Boy. I think Jungle Boy's done great. I'm not saying let's replace Jungle Boy, but I'm just saying just think – of how much AEW has thought of Jungle Boy, they said people were higher on Jake Atlas than that. Just think about that and what that would mean for him in AEW. So after the match, uh, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly came out to the Kyle O'Reilly came out to the ring. Looks like they were gonna uh, beat up Jake Atlas some more, but uh, then um, he said, "Happy New Year, Jake!" Because uh, because in about one minute, congratulations, you earned another ass whooping. And then Orange Cassidy's music hits. Orange Cassidy pulled out a string, chain, a steel chain out of his jean pocket, wrapped it around his fist. Orange walked down to the ring, and Chuck and Willow Uta followed him. Uh, Adam Cole and Red Dragon did a strategic retreat. Strategic retreat. They did not run. 
strategic retreat. Uh, at Orange Cassidy hasn't forgotten what Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, and O'Reilly have done to him. Uh, Chuck Taylor and Willow you to have his back. Uh, so it, it looks like that's going to happen sooner rather than later. Uh, then the big news heading into the Battle of the Belts, I've as recently talked about. Uh, the TNT champion Cody Rhodes not medically cleared to compete for Saturday night's defense against Sammy Guevara, Battle of the Belts. Stepping in to replace him will be the natural Dustin Rhodes to face him for the interim TNT title. Uh, then we get Tony Schiavone backstage with Andrade El Idolo. Schiavone asked why last week on Rampage. Idolo distracted Sting and Garby so the claim could attack him from behind. First, this problem is not with Mr. Sting. My question is, why does this little kid work for Sting? Uh, <laughs> I thought that was like the funniest line of the week. Uh, Darby Allen does not work for Sting. They're friends. I'm so busy. And, and he basically said, how you know? He's like, I'm so busy. We need a new assistant. So, Mr. Sting, name your price for this little kid. Shivani said, I'm sure Sting and Darby will not want to hear this at all. So, what did you think of that? I have no idea. The the lines are funny, but when you get into this position, I'm like, where are they going with this? And I was, I, I I'm at a loss for words because I get to the point with Andrade. I I really do like Andrade a lot, but I just felt like everything he's done in AEW just seems so mid and corny and just not good. And I'm just like. Can he just be just a badass, like, you know, at his peak when he was in NXT? And I I really wish they just give him somebody better than Jose, and I'm annoyed, and I just thought I'd move on. Well, I thought the promo was funny. Then we had Hook versus Aaron Solo. <laughs> Hook did what Hook does, and he beats up Aaron Solo, chokes him out. QT Marshall jumped in the ring. It looked like he was about to confront Hook. Hook, uh, QT sw- takes a shot at Hook, but Hook was ready and hit him with a head and arm suplex. Uh, Hook's not messing around here in AEW, undefeated so far. Uh, so far, yelled Chris Jericho because that's not how Chris Jericho does commentary. Is yelling. What did you think about the Hook squash? Man, we get. I say this. I've said it online. I've said it quite a bit. I know. I've, I think I've maybe talked about here with you guys. One of the most naturally gifted athletes I've seen in prof- that has transi- transitioned to professional wrestling. What he does, he does extremely well. There, my only concern with him, and there, so it's just it's concern of AEW when you're looking to the future is. He is how you can keep building him up this way. Just keep doing these type of matches. And then, in, you know, just every two weeks, one week do a promo, one week do a vignette, one week do a highlight reel, and then do another match just like this and just keep building him up that way. And just sooner or later, you're going to get to a point where they're going to be like, damn, like Hook's legit 15 and 0. And he's, you know, he kind of went from you know, kind of, for lack of a better word, enhancement talent to beating, you know, opening card guys to he's kind of kind of getting through nice in the mid card, beating mid card guys. And, you know, pretty soon, he, you know, if you go that rate, like I said, if you think about it, 
if they do that, let's say from at this point, Eagle, every two weeks he gets one match. So if you go, that's um, 15 matches in 30 weeks. That's over six months. There's 52 weeks a year. So you're going to, if I'm trying to do math in my head quick, like you're going to end up in the summer or you may get to all that and be like, hey, uh, he's probably going to, he's due for like a pretty good match at Battle of the Belts or or a big dynamite or a pay-per-view. So just keep doing what you're doing. Like it's the formula is working. People love him. They think he's badass. The gimmick works. Just keep doing it. Just slowly keep bringing him up every two weeks. Give him one of these matches. That's what we do as wrestling fans. We get ahead of ourselves. We're always thinking in the future, in the future, in the future. I think what he's doing now is awesome. I look forward to the next time he's wrestling. That's just me because I'm about living in the present because you know what? It's a gift. Yes, that was corny. I love it. I love my corny uh, ass things that I say. Uh, yeah, we're gonna... it's pretty terrible. I don't like it. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Uh, so uh, Ricky Starks then gets up from uh, the desk, and then he challenges, says – the FCW belt, FTW belt needs to be defended. It will be defended at Battle of Belts versus Matt Seidel. Then we get AEW Women's Champion Britt Baker, Dr. DMD, and Jamie Hayter versus Ruby and Ruby Soho. I honestly forgot how this match went. Uh, Hayter attempted a delayed vertical suplex on Rio, but Rio was able to land on her feet. Hayter inadvertently hit B- Baker with the forearm. Uh, Rio rolled up Hater and Pinder. Uh, Dr. Britt Baker has still never defeated Rio in her career, even in a tag team match. Will that be the story of Battle of the Belts? Like I said, I barely remember this match, so I have no comments. You have any thoughts, JR? It's one of those matches you have to set up a bigger match that was going to happen 24 hours later. Yes. Uh, then we had a no DQ, no rules, no holds barred match. We had Daniel Garcia and 2.0, Jeff Parker and Matt Lee versus the Mad King, Eddie Kingston, Santina, Santana, or Ortiz. This match was super brutal. Uh, Santana, uh, the finish with Santana walloped Parker with their uh, chair right across the spine. In the ring, Garcia and Ortiz traded forearms. Santana entered the ring, and he and Ortiz used tandem offense on Garcia. Jeff Parker jumped into a Garcia. Santana swung at Parker with a distance lariat and pinned him. I thought the ending was kind of weak. I enjoyed the match. Uh, it was everything I like in a good old uh, street fight, but I thought the end with it just being a discus lariat was kind of boring. What did you think? I'll be honest, I didn't even remember the match. That's how boring it was. I just thought it was a throwaway match. Yes. So after the bell, Garcia and Lee took out Ortiz and Kingston. They wrapped Kingston in the ropes with the gaffer tape. Chris Jericho threw his headset down at the broadcast booth. Uh, Jericho ran off down to chase off 2.0 and Garcia. Kingston's not one of these guys, but Jericho had had enough of 2.0 and Garcia. Jericho has not forgotten what 2.0 and Garcia did to him just six weeks ago, said Excalibur. And that was Rampage. All right. AEW Battle of the Belts. Big, what's three match card. So um, first match we got the natural Dustin Rhodes uh, versus Spanish guy Sammy Guevara to enter, crown an interim TNT title. 
there was a lot of callbacks to the, the most recent match with Cody with basically Dustin slowing down the match, not trying to let uh, Sammy Guevara uh, use his speed to his advantage. Uh, there was a spot during the match where uh, Dustin Rhodes hit uh, a crossroads, a second crossroads, and then went for the Tiger Driver. And then Sammy Guevara was able to kick out. Um, uh, kick out um, there at the end. There was a roll up. Uh, there was a roll up. It was the roll up uh, thing that you see where the guy is, has the two his two knees and in that uh, Davy Boy Smith Bret Hart position, and then they roll back and forth. But on the third attempt, Sammy rolled uh, Dustin over, was able to get his right leg across his left arm. And he got the three in a flash pin. Sammy Guevara is your new TNT interim champion. He was presented the title by none other than the person that present Cody, the other TNT title, Mr. David Crockett. What do you think, sir? First one, shout out to David Crockett. I'm, I'm a huge fan of nostalgia wrestling, and I still need to meet that man. I'm sad that I couldn't meet him at at a star cast in Vegas. So I hope to someday meet him, you know, especially as a legend of the sport. Somebody said this, um, not including the finish of the match, but they felt like this was a, a potential, like a similar sequence of events in this match that potentially would have been with Cody and Sammy, except as you mentioned, slowed down for Dustin. I thought they had a good, you know, a lot of good, spots and things the one thing that just i i'm gonna say like oh it's the worst thing ever but it's just like man you had dustin do dustin do a uh i can't think a uh, destroyer off the apron through a table and i'm just like okay he did that but he still lost the match it's kind of like eh, i don't know about that the ending sequence i was kind of surprised because you i wouldn't think that a veteran of dustin would be caught off guard like that um especially like going through like the different pinfall, you know, attempts, but you know, they both, you know, Dustin at his age can still go. And Sammy, you know, is when the best, you know, can go any day of the week. So I definitely, it was funny as I was, I made this joke when it came to the row, the day, um, excuse me, not Royal rumble, the WWE day one. I'm like, why don't they just do an interim title? And then when Cody guys got, got, you know, unfortunate due to his, you know, situation, I was like, I just do an interim. I was like, just do an interim title, and they end up doing it. I'm just like, oh shit, they end up doing an interim TNT title. But you know, I think with the storyline they're going with, in some ways, it actually creates an additional element to a future, you know, the future match that will come with Cody and Sammy, where where Cody's like, hey. I'm the real TNT champion. And Sammy's like, hey, motherfucker, pardon my French, is like, you weren't here to defend your title, and I had to step up in your absence to be the TNT champion. And especially when you have the added fact that, um, I would just quickly say this, that he, Sammy Guevara, um, as we know, after this this match with Dustin, uh, the following events is that Danny Garcia comes out, gets in his face, and slaps him, and they get into a rumble that they ended up at. Uh, Dynamite tomorrow night as we're recording on Tuesday, uh, Sammy Guevara will defend that interim TNT championship against Daniel Garcia. And that even adds that to an extra, like I said, part of the storyline where he tells Cody, you weren't here to defend your, that you're not a real, you're not the real champion. Cause I had to 
pick up the slack when you couldn't be here. So I just, for me, I just think it's an added element to that storyline with him and Cody until they finally unify the titles. I'm looking forward to it. I don't, uh, I don't really want, uh, I didn't really want the interim thing. I mean, Cody has to be, let's miss like a week. I mean, people have went longer than a week without defending their titles. So this absolutely makes no sense to me, but I just like to, I like to get involved in the world. I don't really care that it makes sense. If it's building versus Cody versus uh, Sammy in a unification match, let's do it in a ladder match. Let's do it in Jacksonville with me there. Let's go. You uh, got ahead of yourself. I think you mean Orlando. No, Jacksonville. That's the week before Orlando. That's the, match, the dynamite before going? Orlando. Yes. Are you, are you going to Jacksonville? I am going to Jacksonville. And you didn't tell me? You know, you want to know so funny? You're the first person I told you have already forgot. You know, it's the concussions of my lifetime. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> you're, you're literally the only person I'm on the phone with, like, as long as we are. So I know you were the first person I told. <laughs> and then before I asked and I told you that me and Tiffany changed our plans, that we're going to fly in Orlando, drive, uh, drive up to Jacksonville and back. Remember, is it coming to you now? No, but again, it's it's legit. I've had like two concussions in my lifetime. My short-term memory is shit, so my apologies. You know, I still love you, brother. But it was just funny that you said that. All right, so then we are moving on to the next match, which was... uh, Oh, Daniel, oh forgot. Daniel Garcia came in and ring. He slapped Sammy. They began brawling and had to be separated. Tony uh, interviewed Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara challenged Daniel Garcia for the interim TNT title this Wednesday on Dynamite. So we were going to have that on this Wednesday on Dynamite. Then we had the FTW World Championship match. Ricky Starks versus Matt Seidel. Matt Seidel is a jobber plus. He's the, If you want a good match for your champion or a new person coming in and you know they're not going to win, but they want a good match, you put them in with Matt Seidel. I thought this match was... Uh, really good. Uh, Starks finished off Seidel with a Rochambeau and scored the pin. Powerhouse Hobbs and Starks continued to beat that on Seidel. Then Liam Moriari sprint down uh, to uh, try to, you know, even the score. But is there such thing as even the score with one of the guys will Hobbs? Because he knocked him on his ass. Finally, Dante Martin ran down and forced Hobbs and Stark out the ring. I think Will Hobbs was about to eat Dante Martin, and then uh, Ricky Stark's like, save your meal for later. So what did you think of this match? I, especially because it came late, I just thought it was – the good thing for me, I'll say this, is that it brings Ricky Starks back. We know he's dealt with injury in 2021, so hopefully we get to see to him. I mean, I was all, I'm all about, you know, absolute Ricky Starks, and I'm just glad to – uh, that he got a, an opportunity to showcase himself. And that was obviously a great wrestler. So I'm just glad to see Ricky Starks and to see where he goes from here. Let's see where he goes. Um, let's see. Last match is I will let JR lead us through this one. It was the AEW Women's World Championship match. Dr. Britt Baker, DLD versus Rio. The whole part of this match, um, for me, is the story that Re- that Bird Baker has not got an opportunity to get 
a victory over the first AEW Women's Champion. I want, as I, I let that first one go really long because I wanted to make sure I said that correctly, that she was the first um, AEW Women's Champion. Uh, um, Riho, in my opinion, is a very, very great wrestler, um, especially when she wrestles somebody that is her size because of the moves that she does. I think it's, you know, it's important that she has somebody that has similar, you know, her similar size to her, because sometimes um, I think going against bigger opponents, her abilities sometimes are not shown through. Um, and that just, sometimes you see that happen. I'll give you an example. Like Ray Mysterio sometimes in wrestles against bigger guys, there's some things he can't do. And she, I think real in my opinion, had one of her best performances in this match. The one thing that just kind of somebody said this, and it's true. I know it's part built into a bigger storyline down down the road, but I mean, Hater and Jamie Hater and Rebel just kept getting involved in this match, um, and it just kind of was taken away for, from the match. But the there was one part though where it uh, where they threw Rebel out of the match. Um, because she got involved and one of the things that happened this match that I really thought was like an oh my god moment because I thought it was one of the most perfectly executed uh, spots I've I've seen in wrestling Um, Britt Baker uh, had her believe she had her back to Rio and Britt Baker uh, and Rio kicked her in the back and she went into Jamie Hayter and knocked her off the mat and when she did that, Bird Baker came back and Rio hit her with the Northern Lights suplex. Excuse me, a crucifix bomb, then Northern Lights suplex. And it was, when I tell you it was like two and three quarters of a count, it legitimately looked like two, three quarters of a count. I mean, it almost was, I really thought my heart sit, like dropped. I was like, oh my God, Rio just won the title. I mean, it was one of the most perfect near falls I've ever seen. Um, Eventually, though, Rio um, got back up and Bird Baker caught her and did her with the curb stomp. And then the lockjaw and Rio tapped out. So I thought it was one of the best, uh, one of Rio's best matches. I think it was definitely as well as Bird Baker's best matches. They had um, just really good parts. I just wish there was less interference, especially when you get to that spot where Hater got involved and she got um collided with Bert Baker for that northern for that near fall spot. I think that's one of the reasons why just sometimes it would have been better if there wasn't so much interference. So that's my take on it. I would agree. I would have liked to just see Brent win. I know she's a heel, she's the bad person. There's supposed to be interference. They're setting up something with Jamie Hater. I would have just liked to see Brit just be better than Rio. Uh I know that's boring. I, I'll tell you any day. It's boring, but that's what I would have just liked to see in this match. I thought it was a really well done match. It really did put a spotlight on the women's division that they can work any type of match. I I mean, honestly, kind of compared this to a Cody Rhodes match. There was a lot going on, lots of smoke and mirrors, so they can work that kind of match. You can get a straight wrestling match like you can get from Doree, uh Serena Deeb, and Hikaru Shida. You can uh, do hardcore. They can do street fights. You are really showing the flexibility uh, and the versatility of this AEW's women's division. And I think they're leveling up a little bit every week. 
And they're going to be, you know, there's going to be some times where they're going to have to carry some dynamites in different shows as we go in the past. And I just, I think we're getting to the point where they can, where it's like the people aren't going to turn off the channel when they're on because they're doing really, really well right now. I might have an overly optimistic view of the women's division, which because I am overly optimistic, but I just thought this match kind of added to the build, growing resume of the AEW women's division so that was rampage this week that ends our weekly tv uh we got through three shows jr we did it yes uh, i don't like if y'all have not figured this out if you're listening i don't like hosting i don't think i suck at it i just think austin's way better at it than me you know i hosted this show for a long time but good lord when austin came on it just it leveled up the show you know i could do my energetic crazy shit and then austin brings me back down and knows when to tell me to shut up so it's not like i said it's not that i don't think i'm good just austin's better so i miss you austin i love you all right dynamite january 12th preview that'll be tomorrow or the day that you most of you are listening to we got four big matches powerhouse hot versus dante martin Hikaru Shida versus Serena Deeb, CM Punk versus Wardlow, Sammy Guevara versus Daniel Garcia, TNT interim title match. JR, what do you think about that? Uh, the lineup for tomorrow? I think they have a solid show. I mean, it's especially when you come off like you had a big show, their debut on TBS for Dynamite, and you had, I would say, a significant show. On you know for Battle of the Belt, so you know obviously there's some times where you you kind of have to bring it down a little bit, um, and it, it's just the nature you can't you can't go to level ten every week. So I think they were at level ten last week with three shows, and now they're coming back to they got to come back to some sense of normalcy. So um, I think one of the things you're probably gonna see with this is for me, I'll, I'll just focus on the Sammy Guevara and Daniel Garcia. You're probably gonna see. Um, a little bit, maybe a something for Cody or something for, um, like in the sense of like an interview or like a promo, like a video promo, especially how easy it is to nowadays do anything with the phone. So that's the only thing is something to build for Sammy to eventually get to Cody. I am looking forward to the collision course that is leading to the TNT title. But the thing I'm most excited about, if you haven't got it, is Hikaru Shida versus Serena Deeb. They are going to do everything they can to make their other matches look like crap, which, oh, my God, I'm waiting for them to try. I hope they're given a full 20 to 30 minutes to really kill each other because these women can work and they have amazing chemistry together. And I'm looking, I'm calling Serena Deeb to get the win calling it calling it so now uh the, the professor i just love her she reminds me so much of dean malenko it's a lazy comparison because of how they wrestle but good lord does she have that intensity and the excitement that dean, dean malenko brought to the wcw cruiserweight division cm punk versus wardlow i'm really to see Wardlow. cm punk has been saying since he got there that he didn't want none of wardlow so this is going to be kind of cool to see that match and sammy Guevara versus daniel garcia if you look at this dynamite preview it is building up a lot around the younger talent 
Powerhouse Hobbs, Dante Martin, uh, Sammy Guevara, Daniel Daniel Garcia, Wardlow. I mean, you would consider that like the young talent in AEW, and then you got a really strong women's division match, and they always seem to add one or two pieces to uh, fill out Dynamite on the on that Wednesday. So I'm looking forward to the two matches that they add. But this is going to be more of a, a regular Dynamite. So whatever number comes out Thursday at 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock or whenever it comes out is going to be probably the normal number you're going to see from Dynamite on TBS. So I'm hoping it's a strong number. Already gave the news and notes about everybody that's quarantining. Uh, found out today from uh, 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 found out today from our lucha professor, Mister Jr. He said uh, Tony Khan's planning a hip hop album. I was like, "What the hell?" He's like, "You haven't heard about it?" I was like, "No." And it did. It took me a moment to realize this shit. What he was talking about is real. Mark Henry says AEW is releasing a hip-hop compilation for Black History Month from Mikey Ruckus. Some context. This has been in the works for a while. To give a better understanding, I'm assembled many familiar producers, musicians, rapper, artists within our pro wrestling space to come together and make amazing music that tells the story of our black talent. This is a celebration of black excellence. It is pure, authentic storytelling. Each star getting an original song written about their come up. We will press a limited commemorative CD for purchase with 100% of the proceeds going to charity. You will hear music made by the following. And then he tagged uh, Leo Rush. Can, can I go through it? I mean, if you want to. Okay, so um, I am just, I'm going to give a shout out real quickly. Um, this Savannah Gall from WrestlingRepublic.com, she did an article specifically about this, so I want to shout her out because I'm using this article for uh, my notes. So some of the artists that you will see um, names include uh, Mega Ran, Omega Sparks, Brinson, Blake, Blizz, Sir Tizzy, Cutright, Shokas Apollo, Mott Easy, as well as Fightful, Grapsity, Podcasters, Will Washington, and Righteous Reg. Um, these um, and some of the names you mentioned that are tagged Jay Lethal, Mark Henry, um, as well. So this is going to be one of the things I will say is that when this first came out, and I'm really, as a Mexican trying to talk about um, div- diversity that is not from his from his own culture, I'm trying to you know make sure I, I say everything that is correct. I don't want to talk it out of line, but there had seemed to be some, um, you know, at first, like, wait a minute, is this pandering? Is this, you know, especially after some of the controversy that came out in the beginning of the beginning of the month, uh, from the information that was brought together from a number of individuals, um, including um, Will Washington, as uh, from Raps uh, from Grapsity of Fivefold.com and Ruckus, this has been in the works for quite a bit, and they reached out to it. Um, I think a lot of um, artists who, in from what I've seen, that have um, been a part of, like I think for lack, of, I believe the term is like for the culture movement uh, that has occurred. And they really want to ensure that the work they're doing on this album is is about the culture and respecting the culture. And it isn't 
pandering or to, or for it to be pandering. It just from it came out, it just seemed like the timing seemed wait a minute, are you just kind of pandering um with this? But it's not. And a lot of these people have um some of these people have been outspoken in the last I think ten or eleven days from some of the you know that controversy that that um occurred between Tony Khan and Big Swole. So I trust 100% that what they said is accurate, that they really are putting a lot of work and effort to making a best possible album, especially with 100% of the proceeds going to charity. So um, I am not a person who listens to hip-hop. I am a Mexican country cowboy, so all my music, whether in Spanish or English, is country. But I fully support this endeavor and the artists who are behind it. Um so I'll, that's what I'll say because I when I I saw it when it first came out between Mark Henry being interviewed and then uh, Mikey Ruckus doing following up with tweets as well as additional tweets from some of the artists that are part of it as well. Well, I want to give a special shout out to friend of the show, one of my early uh, one of my early first guests on All Things Elite. Mr. Monteezy, the dude is super talented. I've literally bought, ever since he's been on there, I've bought as much stuff as I can off Amazon Forum. I've listened to his music going in the car. I'm a big fan of Monteezy, so I'm looking forward to it and, you know, and see what's going on. And there could be some surprises. Definitely when the CD comes out, we will be doing our episode of All Things Elite. And I'm going to get whoever I can to get on here and talk about the album, who's allowed to talk about the album. So I'm looking forward to it uh, next month. Uh, like I said, I didn't even think this was real when JR told me. Then I saw the list of the people, and it was just talented person after talented person after talented person after talented person. So I think this album is going to be amazing. I think even if you don't listen to hip-hop, you should buy it. Uh, give it a check out. Support the artist. Support uh, the the charity it's going to. We don't even know which one it is, but AEW is really good at picking worth round or worthwhile charities to support. So I'm looking forward to this going forward. I do think that is all the news we have for this week. Jr., do you have any parting words, sir? You know, everybody, um, it's winter. And obviously, we said it earlier, but, you know, this current, you know, situation um, is crazy with Omicron and contagious, you know, the level of contagious to hit AEW, it's hitting different places. Just be careful, go out there, you know, obviously, you people need to go to work and do stuff, but, you know, practice good hygiene, you know, practice, you know, hand washing, sanitizing, wear a mask, do all that good stuff, protect yourselves, you know, we love each and every one of you and all the listeners you know especially our the fact that i'm even asked to be a part of a show and you somehow can stand me for the time that i'm on here uh, i really much appreciate it and just want you guys to be safe out there in this crazy world that we live in and as we begin a new year that is 2022 yes i just want to say uh, i mean everybody listens to the show definitely love you thank you for listening i have a friend uh i've brought this up before uh, his name's Preston. I'm not giving his last name, of course, but he is in the hospital in the ICU in my, uh, with COVID and my prayers and thoughts with him. He's on a ventilator. It seems like he's hopefully getting better, but we're checking every day. The shit's real, dude. It's like, get your shot. 
get do get your shot. Um, you know, take care of yourself. Uh, social distance, mask, go out minimally. Uh, res- and most importantly, respect what everybody's doing uh, for it. As far as if there's not a meet and greets, or if you see wrestlers out and they might not want to have contact with you, you you gotta understand. You know, there is a pandemic going around, and while you, if you get sick or whatever, maybe you work at home or something and can keep working, and it, it's a very little inconvenience to you. Their job is a being around people. Their job is wrestling. When you, when they get sick. They have to miss weeks. Interim titles are created. Show plans have to change. Lots of people are affected, you know, when uh, they get infected. So if they're doing what they can to not get infected and it inconvenience you or make you think like they don't want to be around you, I'm sorry. That is the world we live in. That is 2022. So you have to give them the distance, have to give them the space. I'm you know, Like I said, I'm not going to go into the, or they don't owe you anything. I'm just like, just understand what time of year we're in, what, what what we're in. We're all in it, and we need to treat each other with respect. And with that, I'll leave you how I always leave you, and that is whether you're at home, work, or school, always do your best to be elite.